Hello and welcome to episode 24 of North Wow, Plus. 24. 24. Almost halfway through the year. We're in the, the Jack Bauer number. That's, oh. For people that are wow. <laughs> fans of 24, I'm bringing it back. Wow. I, that brings me back immediately to high school. We used to have high school watch parties. Of 24? Of 24. Every, wow. was it Monday, Tuesday, whenever that was. I don't know. Back in the days where you couldn't watch every episode in the same day. You had to That's wait right. You couldn't week binge. to week. You had to wait. A, a nuclear bomb went off and you had no idea what happened until the next Monday. <laughs> if the world was still alive. <laughs> Crazy times. Anyway, we're talking about North Point Plus. Yeah. Not, not Jack Bauer. Uh, this is our follow-up podcast uh, for messages on Sunday mornings. Uh, we gather together every Sunday as a church, uh, whether we're in person or online. We get to spend time with one another, uh, worship together, and then this podcast is an opportunity to continue that, continue the conversation, right. um, keep things going. And we got a lot of questions this week, which I'm super Surprise, excited. surprise. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No one would have known. Yeah. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Mark Adkins. Uh, to my left, Rick Rubel. You. Rick, we talked about, uh, we're, we're continuing through our Proverbs series, so we're doing Let Me Think. Uh, we're encouraging people to read a proverb a day, yep. every day, and we're almost through that. We've almost gone through Proverbs twice, right? which is really cool. Yeah. Uh, and yesterday, we talked about the purpose of discipline. Discipline. So give me the, uh, the uh, I was going to say, the 30, is, the, is it the 30,000 foot view, or is that too high? <laughs> I know, no, that's probably give pretty the good. the high level I, view. Um, the, the uh, probably the primary... Uh, things that I was trying to communicate yesterday that I think come from Proverbs is that discipline is there to shape our hearts, to shape our kids' hearts when we yeah. discipline them, um, and that discipline is an act of love, not an act of vindictiveness. Mm. That's that's probably the biggest thing. And that that Proverbs says a ton yeah. about discipline. Yeah, over and over and over again. <laughs> Correction, uh, chastisement, all those all those words, um, uh, probably sixty different times. Yeah, um, so a lot. Yeah, yeah. It's clearly, clearly a theme that's important to Solomon, and obviously because it's God's word. Clearly, a theme that's important to God. Right. Um, so, like I said, we got a lot of questions about it, and the yeah. first one's probably the most important one. Can Deb? Come on the podcast. Can your wife come on the podcast? Um, I asked her and said, why don't you come be on the podcast? She said, no way. Uh, not happening. <laughs> However, I would say she has a tremendous amount of wisdom and yeah. experience in terms of raising our kids. And so feel free to um, call her, text her, email her, grab hold of her and yeah. say, teach me. Yes. Um, so the question she was great. She question, she did a great a great job with our kids. Is, the question is probably better rephrased. Not can Deb come on the podcast, but will Deb come on the podcast? And the answer is right now, no. Not today. <laughs> Not today. However, I would say this: she might respond better to an invitation from Mark <laughs> than from Rick. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Deb's on my to call list. That's right. There we go. Oh, man. Yeah. So uh, we talked about discipline. Um, and obviously that brings up lots of questions because there's only <laughs> you have 30 minutes right. to address the topic of not only discipline in Proverbs, but we reached outside of Proverbs to show how far reaching this concept goes um, when it comes to God's concern with his children and discipline and our children with discipline. Um, so obviously, lots yeah, of questions. And, come from and, that. and from the big picture, let me let me just go back to the end of the message. Yeah. Um, because as much as Proverbs says about discipline, I think probably the key, the key passage really is Hebrews 12, yep. um, where the writer of Hebrews says, 
God is going to discipline those that he loves. Yep. Um, and that that's a normal part of the parental um, child relationship. Yep. Uh, if, if, a, if a mom or a dad love their kid, there, there's going to be discipline involved. Yep. And, um, and so it's a hard concept because we want a merciful, loving, gracious God. Mm-hmm. And we define that as always giving us what we want. And pain-free. Yeah, and pain-free, without yeah. pain, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's just not the picture that's there in Hebrews 12. Yep. And, and I, would, I don't think that it's a stretch. Obviously, I had it in the message. Um, <laughs> I don't think that it's a stretch to go to John 15 yeah. when Jesus talks about how important it is that we be connected to him. But that whole concept of pruning that I spent some time talking about, yeah. um, that that is a physical uh, demonstration. Yeah of what discipline looks like for a plant or a tree. Yep. But it gets applied very clearly in terms of what's going on in our hearts right. um, by Jesus. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, too, I think back to um, people might be familiar with, I think it's a skit guy's skit where they're chiseling. Oh, yeah, the chisel. That? Yeah. And that hurts to yeah. be, to have Jesus basically chisel away at, the, at your, the sculpture of you. Right. But that process makes you look more like... Jesus. Right. Um, and there's pain involved with that. Obviously, I mean, we, we have so many earthly attachments to things that we feel pain when they're taken away from us. But right. a lot of those things are good <laughs> when they're taken away. Well, yeah. Um, we may not want to give them up, right. but we need to. Right. They're, they're, not, um, they're not what's best. Yeah. yeah, so it's it, it's a fascinating discussion, and even in yeah. this podcast, we could go for hours <laughs> and still not cover it. Yeah, uh, but thank you so much for submitting questions. This this is so good to go into. So, um, the first question comes from um, from Rod Knee. <laughs> Rod Knee. Yeah, got it. Um, and his question goes like this: There's a whole generation of children being raised without corporal punishment. What does this mean for our society? That's a small, well, insignificant we're, we're question. Off, yeah, starting off. Um, I think that the the uh, many of the things that are just a, a normal part accepted in our society right now, yeah, come because of a lack of respect for authority, a lack of um, discipline yep. in the home, um, and without without those guardrails. Stuff goes off the tracks, yep. and um, and I think that we experience that. Yeah, yeah, and I think it will. There's so many of these questions that are going to overlap, so we'll get into yeah. this more later. Um, but I think some of it comes too as a as that over. And you talked about this in your message. This overreaction to the abuse of discipline, to right? Just removing it entirely, and you have this constant pendulum swing of abuse of discipline to normal to to no discipline. And how society just kind of moves through that. Um, yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's funny. Just as you were talking, I'm um, all of a sudden I'm connecting some dots in my <laughs> mind that probably should have made it in the, in the message yesterday, but didn't. We've talked um, we've talked multiple times in the series about Henry Cloud's description from Proverbs about yes. wise and foolish and evil people. Yep, um, wise people get correction and they make the modification on their own. That yep. it hurts. Yeah. But but they align. They listen to the correction right. and respond. They're teachable. Um, foolish people 
when they're corrected, they blame others, they make excuses, they dodge responsibility. And the only way that you can help them overcome that foolishness is with um, penalties, mm-hmm. uh, with, with, um, time, with time-sensitive stuff that you say, mm-hmm. this has to happen or this is going to happen, consequences yep. that are going to come. Um, evil people, um, uh, consequences don't matter too because mm-hmm. they just want to cause destruction. That if they get corrected, they're going to respond with violence. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, Cloud says, uh, "How do you how do you respond to to uh, evil people with locks, guns, and uh, <laughs> and lawyers?" I think that's I think that's, that's what he says. Yeah. Um, the, so so here's the thing in as it relates to discipline. Discipline is designed to um, to help foolish people become wise, mm. and and it takes pain to do that. And um, much of what we have accepted in in our society that's just where things have just gone off the track is because people are foolish mm. um, and have not been able to be corrected. Yeah. Yeah. So without overlapping with other questions, I'll just keep going through because the things I want to talk about will come up later. So so this first question uh, is that there's two two people submitted basically the same question. So I'll I'll go through. Uh, Basically, the first one is uh, why should we take the use of the word rod as a literal interpretation for corporal punishment when it's used figuratively other places in Proverbs and in the Bible? Um, and along with that, the other question is many of these verses use the word discipline. Can you talk more about the definition or the root word of discipline and how this is meant to be the equivalent of physical pain? What are other tools that could be used to teach and train discipline other than physical spanking, other than pain? So basically that use of rod and discipline, why are we landing at this means spanking? This means physical discipline. Okay, a couple of things first of all. One is that the physical pain part of it, the spanking part of it, rod of correction, whatever, that's one tool. That's not the only tool. Right. But it is a tool that needs to be a part of the arsenal of parents. I I think biblically. Yeah. Um, probably the greater question in terms of why do we think that that's a, a component in there? When you when you look at at the language that's there, which is um, if you, if you go back and rewatch yesterday's message, um, when I talk about the four words that are used there, um, there, uh, it's just very interesting that there is a sense of escalation of pain involved in mm. those four words. Mm. That when you start with Musar, there there really is this sense of ethical teaching about how to have the right kind of relationship with God. It's a yeah. shaping and molding, yep. that kind of thing. But then as you move forward through those words, and as you land at Shavet, um, the word that is translated, the rod of correction, um, it's very clear that it's a f- that it is a physical rod. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that that that's the word that's there. Um, I I I would encourage you if if this is a question that you're that you're really trying to sort through, the way that I did my study uh, for that for the message in looking at all those words was I used the Blue Letter Bible app that I've talked about mm. before. Yep, and you can go to a particular verse. And it will then go. You can you can um, press on a button, and it will go to an interlinear 
uh, translation where it will say, okay, here's the English, here are the original Hebrew words. Yeah. You can then click on the Hebrew word, and it will flesh that out to say, okay, this is what the, this means, and this is how it's used in Scripture. Um, I don't think, uh, while there are some times that it may be used figuratively in mm -hmm. Scripture, the, the vast majority of the times it's talking about a physical uh, rod mm -hmm. that's there. And so I don't think that there's any way that you can kind of explain that away and say, oh, no, it doesn't really mean that. Because in, in terms of in the original language, it really does. Right. Yeah, and I think that... Uh, both the points you touch on, I think, are, are key to helping us work through and navigate this in that it's not the only tool in the belt. Not at all. So not everything that your child does is a nail that needs to be hammered right. with a hammer. So taking that discerning approach as a parent to know that, hey, every act of disobedience automatically means this is the tool that I use. Right. Automatically means spanking. That's not that's not what we're saying. And I think going back to, again, what you'd said of what those words mean, what, what I always go back to is what did it mean to them, to the audience right. that it was written to, and it's, I mean... Why was it written, who was it written to, and right. what was its purpose? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's as you dig into that, I don't know how you get around that right. they understood that this meant of some form of physical, at the very least, some form of physical discipline right. um, in their lives. That... that I, did, I did so much reading yesterday um, because of this topic, and that's just, that's what that means. Yeah. And then what that means for us we trust that the Holy Spirit can guide in that process um, so that not every act of disobedience just becomes a nail that's hammered. Right. But it becomes something, again, uh, having that key understanding of discipline is used as a tool to love that person. Yeah. That's that. That's why I think that, that Hebrews passage is so key because this is something that God does to children that he loves. Right. So it's an act of discipline that involves pain. Yeah, there's hurt in that process yeah. that God loves you through that and does that because He loves you to make you more like Him to bring you. Into yeah, his this is this is a real. Um, oh, I, uh, I want to say carnal, but that's not the right word. Uh, but, but illustration mm. uh, in prepping the message, I, one of the things that I had written at one point in time that was going to come in when I was in high school and playing football um, on our first day of summer practice. In Ohio, 85 degrees in humidity, we had to run 40 40-yard dashes consecutively, followed by eight 100-yard dashes consecutively. Gross. Um, <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah. You could not do that, never having yeah. exercised or run prior to the beginning of practice. You had to right. run through the summer to be able to just make it through that. Yeah. Um, there was it was severe discipline, yeah. But it the purpose, and I can man, I can remember the coaches saying it over and over again. The reason that we're doing this on August tenth or whatever mm -hmm. it was was so that on September twelfth, when we play our first game, we're going to be in better shape than whoever it is that we play. Right. And on in the fourth right. quarter, we're going to win the game. There's a purpose to the discipline to shape our physical bodies to have them ready to do what needs to happen. Yeah. Again, if I take that physical expression and apply it in the area of discipline of our lives, but discipline uh, with our kids too, mm -hmm. discipline comes so that we're prepared for what comes next and able to, to be the people that God wants us to be. We're able to reflect his image. We're able to respond to the events around us in a way that's healthy and holy. Um, but that only comes... Uh, we have to be ready for that because of the discipline that comes 
prior to those events yeah. that that really are challenging in our in our lives. Yeah. Well, and this I think gets to the next question. Again, a lot of these overlap, but these are great questions. So uh, the next question, uh, regarding the idea that the purpose of discipline is to shape the heart, yeah. not external compliance, which was in your message. That's the purpose of discipline, shaping the heart of the person, the child, the adult, whoever right. is involved in that, um, and not just to have compliance of behavior. How does causing physical pain slash spanking shape the heart rather than looking at it as causing disobedience out of fear or causing obedience out of fear of being hurt? What other areas of life is physical pain used to deepen or grow a relationship or care for our heart? It seems like a quick way to get compliance, but causing physical pain isn't usually the way we build a relationship. There's a lot there. There's (laughs) only about eight questions in that. (laughs) So basically, the heart of that question is, it seems... To us, it seems almost counterintuitive that the way that you and I would grow our relationship is that I would cause you pain, and then our relationship grows as a as a result of that. Um, so how how in our relationship with our children, how in our relationship with God, is pain the catalyst that builds that relationship rather than just building that external that external compliance? Um, this applies to pain, but I think it applies to all kinds of, uh, yeah. to all levels of discipline. When there are consequences for actions that are the wrong actions, mm. it allows us to understand um, what is morally right and wrong. Um, so when you've got a child who's young, who's a preschooler or whatever, the parent is the moral warehouse for the child. Mm. So Grace is little right now. Yes. Um, she's six months, six, six months old. <laughs> um, she doesn't have any context by which to know right from wrong, except by what you all teach her. Right. Um, and that as she gets older, you and Julie will define for her what's appropriate, what's inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the most loving thing that you can do because left to her own devices, She'll be a wild woman. Right. Um, uh, and, and so so the more that you feed into that moral warehouse for her, mm-hmm. the better equipped that she is down the road to be able to say, hey, this is a new situation. I don't know what to do. But I can walk down the aisles of the moral warehouse and say, oh, this is probably the right thing because I know this and I know this and I know this and I know this. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that you stock the moral warehouse is by having very clear instruction, very clear consequences, and, um, and, and oftentimes ways that that's memorable. Mm-hmm. Um, pain, uh, pain, uh, pain teaches us stuff all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else that was talking about when we were little jumping out of really high places and breaking bones. Uh, no, it was somebody I was with last yeah. week. Yep. Um, uh, when, I, when I was 12, I jumped out of a barn, broke a bone into my foot. Um, what did I learn from that? Don't <laughs> jump out of a barn. You know, it yeah. was a second-story window in yeah. a barn. That's stupid. Yeah. Um, the people I were with said, that's not very smart. Yeah. But the pain changed my behavior Mm. that that happens over and over again um if if i I, again if man i'll be very vulnerable um if i go back to my relationship with deb when we were in college we had dated for a long a long time Mm. um and at one point in time 
Um, I was more focused on myself than on our relationship. Yeah. And uh, she said, that's enough. Mm. And, um, mm. and that was incredibly painful. Yeah. Um, and our relationship ended for yeah. a pretty long season. Um, that pain, and, and it was painful, even though it wasn't physical pain, it was incredibly yeah. painful. That pain ultimately brought us back together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it shaped the way I viewed the world and I viewed Deb and I viewed our relationship. So yeah. pain, pain um, f- whether it's physical pain, emotional pain, whatever it is, pain, d- it really does shape. Yeah, pain is a great teacher. <laughs> it, it's a great teacher. Um, and, and so the, we need to recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, when we put a child in timeout, it's, it's, a, it's not physical pain, but if they're a social kid, mm-hmm. um, that's painful for them to be removed from everybody else. That's right. a tool that you can use in that way. Um, but, but pain teaches, and, and I would say from, the, from, from early, early on, mm. pain can be a good teacher, and it doesn't have to be like... Uh, we, we tend to think in terms of spanking of of the parent who's out of control, who's lost their emotions, that's just flailing right. on a kid, right. and that's not it at all. When I go back to, to um, thinking 35 years ago, um, my mom was a loving mom and a loving grandma, but I can remember her holding our oldest daughter when she was probably six months old, eight months old, probably six months, eight months old, somewhere mm-hmm. in there. Mom had glasses that hung down around her neck yeah. that she would put on for, for her bifocals. She, she would hold Leah, and, and she would grab at Grandma's glasses, and Grandma would say, no. And, um, but she wouldn't move her glasses. She'd keep, holding, she'd keep holding Leah, and Leah would reach out to her glasses <laughs> again, and Grandma would smack her hand. Mm. It didn't cause it, uh, you know, it didn't cause psychological damage, didn't right. cause a red spot, didn't do any of that stuff. But it was, no, that's inappropriate behavior. That's mm. not what you're, uh, that's not what you're going to do. Yeah. And my kids, before they were age one, learned that they couldn't grab at grandma's glasses mm. around her neck. Simple tool, but it shaped their behavior. Mm. Um our parenting philosophy, boy, I don't know if this is. If, I'm, I'm thinking right now. I'm just, I'm just kind of unloading. Um, uh, our parenting philosophy, yeah. in general as a culture, has been to remove the things that are going to cause conflict mm-hmm. or are going to cause problems for our kids, rather than teaching them self control and where the boundaries are. Mm-hmm. Again, if I go back to mom and dad, mom and dad had all kinds of stuff at their house that was important, valuable things that were at child level. Um, they didn't child-proof their house right. from valuable things. Right. Um, and, and we talked about it, well, especially when they were little. And, and mom said, no, they have to learn that they can't, hmm. that they can't pick and touch this particular thing, even at two years old or, or yeah. uh, whatever. And they did. Yeah, they did. Um, our default is to say, "Oh, those treasures, we're uh, move them. The, the grandkids are coming. We're moving them. That kind of thing." Or, or we're just going to get rid of that stuff out of our house until the until the child is older. Yeah, 
And I don't know that that's the right path. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, there's so much to unpack. Yeah. <laughs> I think to, to circle back to, you know, my daughter Grace is, is six months old. Right. Um, and you, you, we talked about, you know, moving through the, the moral warehouse, our th- responsibility as parents is to help guide that process yeah. along. And I, I, I would even say maybe to go a step further is that even what I've seen with Grace now is th- it almost seems like the default is to, to always try the negative <laughs> moral aspect first. Like the example that we always use is how many parents taught their children to lie. Right. No, no parent is out there saying yeah. this is how you lie. This is how you it's steal. How you deceive, this yeah. is how you cheat. Like yeah. no one's doing that. And it seems like kids test that. Right. Uh, and some of that I think is part of our sin nature. Right. That our default is going to be to avoid God's design. And we learn by discovering where the boundaries are. Right. But the only way that we know where the boundaries are are if there are firm boundaries. Right. Right. Yeah. And I think the the question the question for me that that comes out of this is okay we understand that we learn through pain we can maybe understand that we learn through physical pain does God teach us that way and the example that you and I you and I had talked about is you know does God teach us through physical pain the example that I thought of is in First uh, Corinthians Paul is talking about communion as a right. church and how we take communion and says we have to take great care in approaching the Lord's table and says that there are people in the church that God has judged and disciplined by making them ill, by making them weak, right. and by making some of them dead. Yeah. And so that 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 he does that so that they would learn to be more like God to appro- to take great care in approaching the Lord's table and approaching communion. So does God that's one example of right. that immediately popped to mind of does God use physical pain to make us more like him? I think the examples in the scripture would greatly support I that think hypothesis. So. I would I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Anything else in that question that we didn't um uh, it seems like a quick way to get compliance. Causing physical pain doesn't build the relationship. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think yeah, that's the hard, the hard um, part of that question. Uh, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a piece in there that, um, that I would say, I, again, all I, can, I, I can talk out of what, how I understand Scripture, and I can talk out of my experience. Yeah. Um, I think that, that um, uh, sp- spanking, I will just say that, one of the great benefits of spanking is when the discipline is involved and you're given correction. It's something that's done mm, yes. really, really quickly. Yep. So if you're not angry, if you're not emotional, what happens is oh, uh, this is what it looked like in our house. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I talked yep. yesterday about uh, first-time obedience and saying to the kids, no, you've got to obey first time. So when we would give instruction um, – we would we would typically say, look me in the eye and say yes, Dad, mm. yes, Mom, and that meant they hear it, <laughs> they know it. Right. This is not childish irresponsibility <laughs> right. from this point. It's foolishness. Yeah. And then if they chose to disobey, um, I didn't get angry. Deb didn't get angry. It was uh, all right. Let's head back to the bedroom. Yeah. Um, and. And we would go back to the bedroom so that they were away from all the rest of the kids, yep. you know, not not in front of everybody else, and would have a, a short talk. And and I would typically say, "Hey, listen, mom and dad told you that this is what you need to do. You chose not to do that. Well, I've got to discipline you 
Because if you don't learn to obey me, you will never learn to obey God. If you think, eh, I don't really have to obey dad, you will think, eh, I don't really have to obey God. Yeah. If you think you can talk your way out of a punishment as they got a little bit older, and I let that go, you think you will grow up thinking that you can talk your way out of punishment from God. Mm. And that's not going to happen. And so I, I, would, I would just simply say, um, I love you too much to allow you to have the wrong understanding of, of what's right and wrong and who God is. And so um, I would have that conversation. I'd say, bend over, would spank him. You know, um, and as soon as it was done, we would hug, hug it out. They'd run back out in the living room or downstairs or whatever with everybody else, and it was done. Yeah. Um, it w- that's a completely different kind of a deal than yeah. saying, okay, I want you to go to your room and think about what you've done, yeah. um, and I want to make sure that you understand that. And then they're back there for two minutes or ten minutes or whatever it is, and it's right. just a lot. Um, it's a lot. Well, I, I, again, a little kid, they're not going to be thinking about that for very long. They're going to be thinking, "Where's my toys? What, right. what am I doing?" That right. all they know is that they're set up to disobey again. Right. By by moving out of the timeout or right. whatever it is. And so the the concept of dealing with something quickly, having it over and going forward. Yeah. That's that's such a great picture of of what God does with us, too. It's uh, God forgives our sins and remembers them no more. Hmm. And so it's not like we live with this cloud over us from God's perspective of, yeah. of things that he's forgiven us for. And, and um, uh, one of the benefits I think of, of spanking is that it's over and done yeah. and you move forward. Yep. Yeah. And that's something that like, even as I think back in my own life, uh, this is, you know, disclosure for everyone. Mark got spanked a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, but yeah, I think I, I can remember my parents talking through, and that, that was something that was cool too, is my parents were very transparent in their philosophy on spanking. Yeah. So it wasn't a mystery to the kids right. in our household of like, okay, we're doing this. Are we going to get spanked for this? We're, it was very, very understood. Okay, this is the stuff that would get yeah. you spanked. That was very clear. Um, and then I remember my mom specifically telling us, like she was always very intentional that when she would spank, she would always walk us out of the bedroom or the bathroom or wherever right. it was. Walk us out with her hand, like holding hands or with her hand on our shoulder to show that you're being brought out into the family. You don't need to stay right. in the bedroom in shame, wherever that might be. So you're brought out into the family, and it's that quick. It's a quick, clean process where it's not this long, drawn out, I, I don't know what I did wrong. Having that clear communication, clear boundaries, clear understanding, being brought back into the family, to me, was such a clean process as opposed, as opposed to what I think we always think of is the abuses of spanking, where... Yeah parents fly off the handle and the kids don't know what they did wrong and they're right. spanked for who knows what reason and you're spanked five times this day but no times the next day and it's all of this inc- which I think you talked about in your message is that consistency, consistency is so, so important so key in all of this to help us avoid all of the abuses that we tend to think of and then to avoid the abuse, we just avoid the thing altogether. Which I, I don't know if this helps or not as you were just talking I was, I was having a flashback to when the kids were little. <laughs> I think I think our our deal was that we spanked for three things mm. and just three things. That yeah. was all. One was for lying. Mm. The second was for hitting their siblings. Mm. 
if if they were wailing on the, uh, that wasn't an option for us because yeah. we said no you love that they're your family you love them yeah. the most you're not doing that and the third thing was w- what we called willful disobedience which yeah. is that's the look you in the eye and say, <laughs> nah, I don't want to do that. Um, that because that's, I mean, that, that last thing is just so critical in terms of yeah. our relationship with God. Yep. Um, because the, the pain does shape, um, our response to instruction yeah. and, and whether we're teachable or not. Yeah. And that I think is such a, like, it's amazing how early on kids understand. Oh yeah, and I, and I think having that clear communication with your child, like, do you understand what I'm saying? And they acknowledge it and say yes. Having that as yep. a clear point back to and say, hey, we we did talk about this. Like you acknowledged what was happening, and you instead chose to do the opposite. Because no kid would ever say, when they're getting instruction. I didn't hear you. <laughs> um, no, no child would ever do that. No, of course not. But if they say yes, mom, yes, dad, that right. it has registered. Yes. Yeah. The yeah. instruction has has registered. Yeah, I think that's great. All right. Another long question. Woo. We'll probably have another eight questions in here, but this again is good. This is good to work yeah. through. Um, understanding child development. Yep. And impulse control. And so you would talk yeah. about this like a kid reaching across the table and they spill their milk. Right. Or if they're uncontro- unable to control emotions, whatever it might be at, at a certain age. So understanding child development, impulse control, brain development, kids in the age range of under five don't have much ability to control I- impulses. They're still learning and testing limits. So how is it appropriate to spank for something they physically don't have control over? I have a hard time seeing that the Bible, using the word discipline, equates to corporal punishment and how God would instruct us to do something that goes against the expert's wisdom and research, even though the research is somewhat newer, which I think you talked about in your message. So there's a lot there. (laughs) Yeah. First of all, I think... Oh, um, it, it, I, I don't want to make too general of a statement, yeah. but I think many childhood development experts, mm-hmm. people with knowledge but not necessarily wisdom, mm. they, they've, the, um, they're able to look at things but not necessarily make great sense of it yeah. from, from a godly perspective. I, I think that they undersell what kids can learn. Mm. Um, you know, all over... All over, you can find examples of children very, very young that take responsibility because they have to, mm. and and um, yeah. and and are caring for other siblings. That that kind of thing really, really early. I I think uh, you know I mentioned Leah with mom's glasses, the whole deal. I I think from a certainly by the time they're a year old. They have a concept of what they can, or what their what where the boundaries are, and whether they can push them, and whether they have to listen or not. Yeah. Um. I uh, by the time you get to age five, man, they are full blown. It, it's long before that that they have a clear understanding mm-hmm. of what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, of of how to act, how not to act, of whether they have to obey or not mm-hmm. have to obey. Um. So, the the experts that would say no, they don't really get that. Uh, I would humbly just say I think they're wrong yeah. um, uh, experientially uh, from my six kids, but from a, a much broader um, slice yeah. of 
observation of children. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, here's here's my nugget of wisdom from the exactly zero kids that I've raised. <laughs> I have a daughter that's six months old. But also understanding that every kid's different. Right. So uh, are there are there certain developmental issues or developmental uh, progressions that take place a little later or a little earlier in kids? Certainly. Certainly. Certainly that's going to be the case. And I, that, I think, comes back to us as parents, that your role is so crucial and important in raising your child and that you are the again like you said you are the one that's helping guide through the moral warehouse right and that can start very 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 early it doesn't have to wait until okay we're going to let you explore and learn and those are good things but you as a parent can help explore and learn within the proper boundaries of what that looks like it's not you know the reins are off. There's no boundaries until you hit five. Right. And then we put the reins and boundaries in. And and there are actually some cultures that that's their perspective. They yeah. they really let kids just run amok right. until they hit a certain age, mm-hmm. and it's an age that's a lot higher than I would. <laughs> um, uh, and and then then all of a sudden there's significant accountability. Yeah. Um, my observation of families that live in those cultures um, is that their home life is a wreck mm. when the kids are running amok mm. when, because well, the kids are basically in charge yeah. um, uh, up until that point in time or the parents just ignore it. Yeah. Um, and, and so it's not a, it's not a good thing. I, I would say this too. Um, uh, we're talking a lot about parenting and, and mm. discipline for us as adults is is as critical, more critical, whatever, in, yeah. in terms of just looking at us. God has clear expectations for us in terms of how to live, how to act, how to respond to Him, yeah. um, what should motivate us, all those things. Parents need to have high expectations for their kids mm. and to shape their hearts so that they can so that they can live in those expectations. Um, I. Uh, um, a family, a, a member of our family had a, a, a child with cerebral palsy. Mm. Um, no, very little control, really no control over his physical body, but had, but his mind was mm. very active. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, this is my sister. Um, <laughs> my sister and her husband, um, called him to obedience mm. on what was appropriate and what was inappropriate, even though he didn't have physical control of his body. Mm. He could pitch a fit yeah. with the best of them. Yeah. And they and and they would continually correct him and say, no, you can't do that. Right. That's that you can't act that way with grandma. You can't act that way. Yeah. Um and um and and for many people it was really hard to watch because all they could see was what he couldn't do, mm. but my sister was more concerned about his heart mm. than than anything. Um, man, I, I, I there's a ton of lessons yeah. in that. Yeah, um, we've got another uh, another good friend that child was born with some disabilities, and and basically the expert said uh, with those disabilities that kid's never going to be able to do anything. You know, anything in society. Mm. The parents had high expectations clear boundaries lots of love Mm. um and and that child is now almost an adult and and functional at a level that no one ever Mm. anticipated 
but it was because there was loving discipline through the process. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, who knows? The, yeah. um, the, our expectations, we can expect a lot of our kids, yeah. and God expects a lot of us. Yeah. And, and yep. finding the way to um, help them, God finds a way to hopefully get the right kind of change in us yeah. to be holy. Yeah. Um, that, I think that's what I was just going to hit on, is like when you're talking about the expectations that God has, God's expectations are the highest, their right. holiness. Right. That's God's expectation for us. And God sees where we're at, which Mark is not holy, right? <laughs> and loves me enough to discipline me through that to meet that highest expectation. I, I know because of the promise of God that when I meet God, I will meet the expectation right. of holiness because, because of, of Jesus. what Jesus yeah. does. Yeah, uh, Hebrews 12, again, um, the the purpose of discipline is so that we can live a, a life of righteousness and peace. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty high. Yeah. That, that's a pretty high standard. Yeah. Um, but we can, and God disciplines us so that that can happen in our lives. Yeah, that's great. Okay, um, so one of the things you, you talked about, one of the, and you said, you said um, in your tips for, for young parents that this is not scripture, this is Rick's opinion yeah. on the age appropriateness of spanking. Right. You said it, it's probably around five, five ish. Yeah. Um, so Jenna wrote in as well saying, I believe there's an age appropriateness for spanking. Does the Bible say anything that would point toward this? Um, the answer to that in a word is no. Um, th- there's, not, there's not that sense. Yeah. But let me just say this, and this is a sobering deal. As I'm studying through Proverbs and looking at all the uses of Shavet, yeah. that rod of instruction, um, it's not limited by any stretch of the imagination to parents and their children. Yeah. Um, there's very clear, there are a number of Proverbs that talk about the rod of the, the the chevette being used to basically beat the foolishness out of adults. Yeah. Um, and it, I, I mean, when you read it, it it brings to mind the picture of cultures that, that where somebody is flogged. Um, yeah. And the f- purpose of the flogging is to change their heart and behavior and to say, this will not be accepted in our society. Mm. Um, so, so that we're, there's not any sense in which it's limited to that. Mm. I would only say experientially from my perspective, um, with our kids, when they, um, using that tool early on, they had a clear understanding of authority of right and wrong of consequences of, of wrong behavior of sin all of that, and so that was not a tool that we had to that we ended up having to use right. um, after you know after their early elementary years. Yeah, and I think that's that's something too that we can lean on the Holy Spirit as guidance right. for that, um, and as as parents understanding that we need to be discerning in the tools that we're using. Right, and at some point maybe that tool becomes less effective because right. boundaries are already in place, right. authority is already clearly understood, and this tool kind of gets to rust on the tool belt because it's yeah. no longer needed. Because again, the purpose is to shape their heart. Yeah. It's it's not just compliance. Uh you know, a, a 15-year-old kid, you can spank and you can get them to comply. Yep. But it's probably not going to shape their heart much. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it uh may it may be a deterrent, but it's not going to it's not going to shape things too much. Yeah. yeah. No, that's great. That's good perspective. 
Um, <clears throat> so, uh, this is this is less of a question, I guess, and it, it's more of a statement. Uh, Ray Boyer submits uh, talking about this is a quote from Tim Keller uh, yeah. from from Right Now Media. The quote is: uh, "If all a child needed was a set of rules to act and behave perfectly, there would be no need for a savior." Uh, and this uh, Ray shed, uh, said he shares this in regards to not getting angry or frustrated while giving a child discipline, um, which I think points back to, again, our, our model for discipline as, as parents or even discipline as adults should be to reflect what God does. What right. does Jesus do in our life? Um, and it's not just this set of rules to get you to behave properly. Again, it's to, right. to shape that person, yep. um, which is helpful perspective. So thanks for sharing that, Ray. Um, this is a really specific question, but I think it's, it brings up really interesting issues. So this um, is in regards to foster parents. Yeah. And there are specific rules and regulations basically around what that looks like. Um, so as foster parents, we are unable to physically discipline kids due to trauma, licensing agreements, and things like that. Uh, it's difficult to only discipline with timeouts, redirection, natural consequences, uh, what would you recommend for wisdom from Scripture to guide families that wrestle with this requirement? How can the church equip us to effectively discipline using the tools that we have? Yeah, <laughs> lots of prayer. Yeah, um, yeah. I, it's uh, Deb and I at one point in time did some uh, preliminary training to foster kids, mm. and and that question was one of the reasons, or it, w- it was a factor in. And just sorting through, is this what God has for us? Because mm-hmm. I don't know, particularly with a with a young kid, how it it's just really tough to not have that tool when you know that that tool is an effective tool. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's the reality um, when you foster in our current culture. Yeah. Um, the uh, hmm. I, I, I don't really know except to say, man, have people around you um, who can pray for you and be praying all the time to say, God, help me figure this out. Um, because shaping their hearts, you know, a, a child that's in foster care has gone through lots of trauma already. And and their boundaries um, just keep changing. Mm-hmm. You know, the, um, they've not lived in a typically in a very stable environment. Um and so, or they've gone through some kind of trauma to to yeah. land there, and so it's it's a difficult thing. Yeah, um, it's I think a particularly difficult thing if you have your own kids, and and in the mix. And, and, yeah. and foster come in too. I I um, it's hard for me to talk about discipline without telling this yeah. story. Yeah. Um, when uh, when our kids were young, probably um, ten eight six, uh, maybe 12, 10, eight, I don't know, anyway, um, on down. Um, it was just very interesting. No, I guess they would have been younger. It would have just been the top three. We had, we had five, five kids of our own. We had six daycare kids in our house Mm. and we had the daycare kids from seven in the morning till six at night. Mm. They, they were really an extension of our family. They adapted to our family, culture, mores, discipline, all that kind of stuff. But but we didn't spank the daycare kids. Yeah. Several times, daycare kids would say, can't you just spank us? Hmm. Um, because they recognized that that's what it meant to be a part of the family. Hmm. And, 
and they recognized that it was a whole lot easier to have this banking be done mm. um, than, than to go through the other kind of things that we had to structure consequences when there was in, inappropriate behavior. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a hard thing yeah. um, when, when you've got foster kids, when you uh, adopt kids and are, are trying to figure out how that all works. It, it's just a hard thing. And the, uh, the biggest thing I can tell you is pray, yeah. pray, pray. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I think the based on what we've been discussing, I think there's there's the principles of spanking that could tend to go along even though you can't do the physical right. discipline, the 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 timeliness of it, not letting right. things drag out, um the immediacy of that discipline. Yep. The um, lack of emotion. Yep, yeah, not letting yeah, not flying off the handle and that that's yeah. ultimately I mean that's what this this rule is protecting with foster parents is kids have been abused. We right. know this has been abused in the foster care system, so it's just there's none of it. So we know that that's what they're driving at, but there's still those principles that you can bring. Right. In. But yeah, I think coding that in prayer and <laughs> leaning on yeah. that is probably the best way forward. Okay. Um, next question. <laughs> How do you recommend disciplining adult kids that still live at home? How do you know when to let them go, even though they are not ready to live safely on their own? That's a really interesting question. And I wish I wish that this was a call-in show so we could ask more questions to, to know um, because I'd answer two different ways. Yeah. One is if you've got a child that has, that's living at home because they have some, some either physical or mental disabilities that impact their ability to process, yeah. think rationally, all those kind of things, that's, that's one path. Yeah. Um, let's answer first the path that says you've got a kid who's, gone to college, who's working, whatever, who's staying home and playing video games all day. Yep. Um, I think the best discipline that you can use in that is to say, you know what, you need to get your own place. Mm -hmm. um, and the, and the, the consequences that are going to be involved in that are either they're going to live um, in a tiny place that's not really where they want to live yep. without all of the stuff from mom and dad, that's a healthy thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a painful growing experience, right? But necessary for them to continue to develop. Yeah. Um, the so I think ha having a clear plan that you can articulate again without emotion, anger, all that kind of stuff to say, mm, nope. You know what? On June first, you're gonna you're gonna find your own place, yeah. and um, we'll help you. We'll walk with you through that process, but you're gonna. Uh, pay your bills. You're going to do all those things, and um, you, you don't have a you don't have a space here yeah. anymore to live permanently. You can always come home. You're always right. part of the family, right. but you're not going to live here. Yeah. Um, and, and again, to have that to have the conversation to say we are not doing you any favors um, by by allowing this to happen. This is a step that you've got to take. Um, if it's the situation of um, of somebody who who has some some disabilities in terms of being able to process information, um, physical dependence on mom and dad, that's a harder question. And again, I think that you have to figure out what's age appropriate, what makes sense to be able to help communicate clear boundaries through that process as well. Yeah, yeah, and I think the obviously a very difficult situation regardless of where, where it falls on that spectrum i think for me the thing i go back to is to to remember d 
discipline is always used by God to make us look like him. And so God, in, yeah. in the process of salvation, could have just said, this is a get-out-of-hell ticket, and right. that's it. And there's no other process. There's no sanctification. There's no being made to look more like Jesus. It's just, you're not going to hell. That could have been what salvation looked like. Right. But discipline allows it to go from just being a get-out-of-hell ticket to now I'm a child of God. Now right. I'm made to look more like Jesus. And, so and used by him in that process. Yeah. Right, right. And so that's the same thing where it's this situation of, is it really the most loving thing to have your adult child live at home free of discipline? I don't think so. <laughs> I think there would be right. clear scriptural instruction. Again, if we're, if we're modeling our discipline reflects what God's discipline looks like, I think our goal would be right. to help that person succeed, thrive, get out on their own. Or if you're living here, there are <laughs> disciplinary right. boundaries in, order right. in that. But obviously that doesn't make it easy. So. No. <laughs> um, this is a great question. We were just talking about, you know, our discipline models, God's discipline. So how does God discipline us? Is it through disaster? Is it through poverty? Is it through illness? What does God's discipline look like in our lives? Yes. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think that he... Um, I think that he uses all kinds of things depending upon what we need at the moment. Yeah. Um, the uh, I think when um, when we well, let's just say when we don't take care of our bodies, hmm. the discipline of God may end up looking like we end up in a hospital. Yeah. Um, yep. Uh, having to navigate the consequences of our choices. Yep. Um, I think that there are, I, I, I kind of mentioned this in the message, um, maybe one service a little bit better than the other, but I think that when we think that we've got everything under control, that the discipline of God often is to say, hmm, how are you going to handle this? <laughs> and, and, and st- stuff just starts falling apart around us. Yeah. Um, and the, purpose of his discipline is to have us depend on him, not on us. Right. And so that can show up in all kinds of different ways. Um, the, the, uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think because the, I, I was torn in the message between um, natural consequences of our bad decisions. Right. Um, is, are the natural consequences a part of God's discipline? Yes, I think they are a natural part of God's discipline for us. Yep. Are there times that God allows or intentionally puts us in a place that we have to deal with things that we wouldn't deal with otherwise? Yeah. I think that that's true. And that may be um, our independence. That may be our self-reliance. It may be yep. our um, our um, materialistic view of things. It may be, um, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think again, going back to the Hebrews passage that remembering God disciplines those he loves. Right. And so thinking through, you know, how does God discipline us? It's always through love. Right. So that's, that's key to remember every yep. act of discipline that God does is always through the lens of love um, and making you more like him. And I, I think of um, even the apostle Paul, like Paul tells us how he was disciplined, that God sent him a thorn in the flesh. We don't know right. what it was, if it was a physical ailment or if it was critics that were following around, whatever it was. But it says that God gave him a thorn in the fr- flesh and Paul prays, please take this away from me. And God says, no, <laughs> 
because by you being made weak in this, I am made strong and you lean more heavily on my grace than you yeah. would on whatever else that Paul thinks he needs to lean on. And that I think is a clear example of me of God sent Paul something that hurt Paul in order to make Paul more like God and to glorify God more. And that to me, like that's discipline from God. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to um, kind of scour my, my moral warehouse to, <laughs> to, to, to think through sometimes that I've experienced the discipline of God. Yeah. And, um, and I think that there have probably been some times, not probably, there have been some times where in my life there was a clear prompting of God that we were to do X, Y, Z. Mm. And I kind of said, eh, I'm not sure that's God, <laughs> yeah. um, and put it off. And then there was a secondary prompting to say, <laughs> you know, you really need to take this step. Yeah. Um, and I said, well, yeah, but... Mm. whatever and then maybe a third time and then uh, and then typically what has happened has been that there has been a whole lot of pain because mm. something has happened um in that situation that that just fell apart and caused relational breakdowns it caused uh, physical pain it caused whatever it was to get me out of that situation and to be where god wanted me to be yeah um and and it was it really was God's hand in the process yeah. of um, of doing what was best for me yeah even though it involved a lot of pain and I think that's that goes back to one of the proverbs we talked about is like if you hate reproof you're stupid <laughs> 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 which is such a great translation <laughs> if you hate correction if you hate discipline you are foolish right and that's the that's the biblical terms for it it's right. not us trying to be like well right. if you disagree you're wrong like <laughs> the bible says if you hate yeah. god's discipline you are foolish right and so that's that's that that's my prayer that was my prayer through yesterday it's like man there's stuff that i'm wrestling with this but like god help me to love the discipline that you give me right because i know that you are loving me in that process yep um and that's again it's easy to say it's hard in the moment right. when you're experiencing the discipline to look at it and love it. Right. But but when we experience that pain, when we experience that the discipline from God, I think uh, I, I keep coming back to if our picture of God, of who God is, is healthy, is mm -hmm. biblical. Yep. Yep. Then it's like, yeah, this is not fun, but I can trust you. Yep. That it's a completely different picture than the than the Russian figure skating coach. Yep. Yeah, um, it, uh, it immediately made me think back to our God's Design series in the fall. Yeah. Our, the phrase that we kept going back to every single time was, if God is your desire, you can trust his design. Right. And that's the same here with right. discipline, is that if God is Good. my true yeah. desire, then I can trust, even in the midst of the pain. This feels yeah. uncomfortable or whatever it might be. So yeah, remember, remember that. Yep. All right, two more questions. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, because we are completely forgiven of all of our sin, so if we are in Christ, we're yep. completely forgiven, we're justified, declared innocent, and we are clothed in righteousness, many people say that God does not punish us. How is discipline different from punishment? Um, boy, I'd, I'd have to unpack a little bit of the, of the meaning of the word punishment in that. Right. Um, yep. the, clearly, our position in Jesus 
is forgiven. Yeah. It's changed. It's it's the most wonderful thing in the world to know that we're that we're not standing on thin ice just waiting for it to break. Yep. Um that we're not, you know, if we step out of line all of a sudden ev- everything's at risk. Our when when we choose to follow Jesus, to have him be our Lord, to accept his punishment in our place, our eternal punishments not an issue. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's yep. gone. Yep. Um, but in the, in God's desire for us to be, um, whole and healthy and adultish in our relationship with mm-hmm. him, he's going to discipline us to bring about that life of righteousness and peace that Hebrews talks about. Um, Jesus, uh, you know, he's, he's going to prune us so that we can be more productive so yep. that we can produce more and better fruit. Yeah, I think to um, for me the way I, the way I change the wording is there's a discipline there's a difference between the discipline of God and the wrath of God. Sure, and yeah. In Jesus, I will. That's the. It's crazy to even say that in Christ I will never experience the wrath of God. Right. That's totally taken care of on the cross. Right. And at the same time, I'm disciplined by God because that's also an act of love. Just right. like the cross is an act of love. So is the discipline right. of God, and I think too of it, it, you know the, the story that came to mind is the, um, when George W. Bush was a governor in Texas, um, there was a someone on death row that wrote him a letter saying, "Hey, while I was on death row, I became a Christian. Can you uh, can you do away with my death sentence?" And George W. Bush basically responded with, "That's really great that you're a Christian. No, we can't do away with your death sentence. You've been convicted as a murderer, right? You." there's a sentence that needs to be fulfilled. And so there are those natural consequences of right. our sin. Sometimes that is the, dis- the discipline of God is the natural consequences. Sometimes there's additional discipline that comes along with that. But knowing that even in that discipline and the pain that I feel, that's not the wrath of God right. that I'm experiencing. Right. That, to me, is the distinction there. Yeah, good stuff. <sighs> Last question. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking a lot about parenting. We've talked a little bit about uh, adult children. Um, within the household, and uh, Bayman Royer, our good friend, yeah. <laughs> not to be confused with Ray Boyer, uh, brings up a, a really interesting question in regards to church discipline. Yeah. So what should we do in regards to church discipline? If I have a brother at church who's continually sinning, how should I handle that? So now we're taking discipline out of the familial unit of the household into the familial unit of the church. What does yeah. that look like? Um, easiest Easiest way to go is to just say, read Matthew 18. Yep. <laughs> Matthew 18 spells out a process for what that looks like yeah. to go to somebody, to have the conversation with them. If they don't respond, uh, to go back again with someone else, um, have that conversation again, go with the elders, take it to the church, yeah. um, and then ultimately separation from the church because of their desire that not their desire because of their uh, decision to continue to sin rather than to yeah. repent. The goal of that always is restoration. Yep. It's uh, even even the separation that comes in church discipline. Yep. The goal of it is restoration, not um, punitive at all. Right. It's so that they can come back and um, be right re- in right relationship with God and with the church again. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the cool thing about that is we tend to think whenever we talk about church discipline, we tend to think of it in like this formal structure where there's this hierarchy. And the cool thing about when you read that in Matthew is just like, these are just conversations that happen right. where like, hey, Rick, you know, you said something and I took it this way. Is that really what's happening here? Are right. we 
is there, are we at odds here? And it's like, oh, well, no, miscommunication, or maybe it is sin, and then we can escalate that conversation right. as needed. But it really is just this organic way of doing life together where if I have a problem with a brother or a sister, we can go to that person yeah. and have that conversation right. and go where we need to from there. Okay. <laughs> I think that's it, <laughs> at least in terms of the questions yeah. that we have. Is there anything left unsaid? Anything you want to circle um, back to or readdress? I'm trying to think. I, I, I think I would say this. If you've made it this long. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Yeah, first of all. Secondly, well, I, I'd say this in terms of um, for, for parents especially. Yeah. Um, one of the best things that you can do is um, if you're trying to sort this out, is find a set of parents hmm. that can be a model for you, that you can ask questions to whose kids are older than your kids, who've kind of been through it, and you can see the fruit of what that looks like. Yeah. Um, the uh, if, if you're parenting a preschool, a preschooler or multiple preschoolers right now, don't just have your model be parents of elementary kids. Mm -hmm. You want a little bit older than that because what can look great for preschoolers can look like horror um, <laughs> right. by the time that they become teenagers. Yeah. Um, and so uh, having a model that, that, you, can, that you can talk to. Um, the, the other statement that I think is, um, is helpful just in terms of evaluation is uh, um, Deb and I did, uh, led a parenting class for a long time, and one of the things they said was the measure of your parenting um, is not defined by whether you like your kids. Mm. The measure of your parenting <laughs> is whether other people like your kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, and the first time I heard it, I thought, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Because there were people that we loved in different places that we lived. That we didn't really want their kids to come to our house. Um, we love the parents, yeah, but not so much because because the kids were out of control or whatever. Yeah. And so um, having that that's sometimes a helpful filter. The other yeah. thing that I would say here at the end is this: um, if you're if you're a parent of um, preschoolers, of elementary, whatever, if if you're right in the middle of the um, parenting years where it's just sometimes hard. Yeah. Um, know that you're not alone, and um, man, um, find find a group of people who can come around you as well as the mentor parents. Yeah. Because it's easy for Satan to say you're doing such a bad job. Why? Mm. Who do you think you are to be a parent? You mm. you can't even control this in your life or whatever. Yeah. Satan Satan just says bad bad stuff, um, and and to have some, uh, to to have a, a group of people around you who can who can say, mm, yeah, you probably could have done that better, yeah. um, or here's a tool, or you can just observe the way that they are living it out and say, I'm, I want to I want to try and incorporate that piece. Yeah. Um, I, I keep my my brain keeps coming back <laughs> to this at the end, and it, and this is it. Discipline is not just about parenting. Hmm. Um, the the um, the bigger picture I think that's there in Proverbs is understanding that God's discipline in our lives is to bring about holiness and righteousness, yeah. and that um, if we if we get that right, yeah. we're probably going to do pretty good on the parenting piece too. Yep. But 
keeping the first thing first in terms of recognizing what is it that we need to do to be responsive to God's leading and direction. Yep. And that when we respond earlier, it's lots less painful than <laughs> if right. it goes, if it takes longer. Yep. Yeah. And that's, that's what I wanted to say too, is like, it's, it's easy to, to hear or to enter in conversations like this and think the goal of spanking is just to get them to stop a behavior or yeah. to have a right behavior. And it's when not. you enter in with that mentality, that's what the world wants right. to say about spanking is that it's physical abuse. Every time you spank, it's only just to, to take care of behavior. And that's, again, why we're trying, hopefully that's evident in the conversation is that we're trying to go back to scripture and trying to always point at this is how God disciplines. Right. We're called the model that because if God does it, it we know it's good, it's loving, right. it's merciful, it's just, it's all of those things if God does it. And so if we can emulate that in our relationships with our children, with our friends, with our church, whatever it might be, then that's a good thing to pursue. Yeah, that, that, that concept of compliance, of um, disciplining to make your child compliant, mm. um, uh, I may need to just flesh that out for a second and just say, oftentimes we try and get compliance so that our life gets easier. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, uh, uh, yes, we want compliance because then our, our house will be peaceful. Yes, my house yes. is clean. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes, I want compliance because um, it will cease to be an embarrassment when my extended family comes over, when my friends come over. Right. And so there's, there has to be compliance for those reasons. Um, th- that's just so twisted. Mm. I, it's so we-centered yes. rather, than, rather than our child, uh, focus on our child and on their heart. Mm. And so compliance is not, it's, it's not a bad thing in terms of learning to obey authority. Right. Uh, like I said with my kids, if you don't learn to o- obey me, You'll never learn to obey God. So mm-hmm. the compliance is important. Yep. But but the question is not so that my life is better. Right. Uh, yeah, that's not right. the issue. The issue <laughs> the issue is so that they can have the right kind of relationship with God and know him yeah. more as they grow. Yeah, that's great. That's a great note to end on. Yep. So thank you so much if you made it this far. Woo! <laughs> Long one. I think this is our longest North Point Plus. Uh, so we appreciate all the questions. Great discussion. Uh, continue to have discussions with life groups, with each other. Obviously, you can continue to submit questions if you need to um, through the app. But great Great conversation. Great call, Deb. <laughs> yes, and yes, call Deb. I'll be reaching out to Deb too. We'll get her on the podcast. <laughs> It'll happen. <laughs> uh, so, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for your questions, and we will see you all next week. <laughs>